done it. And he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. He's given it two of the Community Game Changers podcast where we share cricket volunteer stories and ideas from across the country. Today's guest is Daniel Shawtill, the president of the Queens Rocks Junior Cricket Club over in WA. And we chatted about how the club went about restarting their junior committee and how they set themselves up for success through some good governance. And they went on to win National Club of the Year at the Cricket Australia Community Cricket Awards. So I'm sure there'll be little bits of gold for everyone listening at home. Join me in welcoming Daniel to the show today. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thank you, Talia. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming along. It is um, Queens Rocks, no matter when I when we reach out from Cricket Australia or um, I know other clubs reach out, you guys always make yourself available to really kind of support cricket community in general. Is that something that you guys, um, you know, pride yourself on? Um, well, we think we owe back to cricket. Um, and from, like when we first restarted, there was a lot of gaps on knowing where to go. So we've worked hard with the WACA um, and Cricket Australia and you know, we're fortunate to do very well. So, yeah, you, your success means giving back as well, not just taking. So a little bit of intro for anyone who doesn't know about Queen's Rocks and if you're not from Western Australia, maybe you haven't heard of them. So a little bit of intro about yourself and just Queen's Rocks in general. So where's it located and how did you get involved in the club? Uh, well, Queen's isn't the northern end of Perth on the coast, very, very lovely area. Uh, my involvement in the club was, came back to Perth in 2000, played seniors, um, and then got involved with the committee, president of the seniors, and then president, and since then, since it was 2010, with the juniors, um, working with some wonderful people. Now, back then, uh, when you first joined the committee, what was it that got you over the line? So how, how did you actually go about getting on the committee? Oh, on the committee, just put your hand up uh, and it was done. Did you get hounded? Um, I got asked. I got asked um, to go president seniors because um, there have been a few different issues happening. And so I, I did the seniors for three years. I got an old stalwart of the club, Damien Slattery, to come back to be president of the seniors. And I went to vice president, but actually president of the juniors back in 2013. Um, and then we separated in 15, 2015. And we've been a separate, but with one club, but a separate identity. What really happened back in um, 2000. I've actually got it on the screen behind me to remind me. Uh, back in 2009, 2008, the juniors pretty well collapsed. Uh, the whole committee left. No one stepped up. Seniors took over for five, six years. And then a gentleman named Toby Morrell and myself, he was coach of the seniors, said, let's uh, take the juniors on. Uh, and we started with some really good people again, Peter Byrne. Um, who's 
a legend as is Toby around the area. Pretty much we worked together to get the juniors going. What was the tipping point for everyone coming together to restart it? I mean, it probably sets us up for what we're here to talk about today, which is the, yep. the period after when um, reigniting the junior arm um, in terms of the junior committee as a separate kind of entity in the, in the holistic club. But what was the tipping point that got everyone back ready to actually take it on? Um, pretty much Toby and myself just thought the juniors, we, we need juniors in the club. It's just, if you don't have juniors coming through, clubs and district clubs will collapse. And we just thought that their needs are different to the seniors. So we needed to push them without pushing the seniors out. So it was best that we both had two, two separate committees and that side working through. So it's more to make sure the juniors were getting what we believe the right um, direction to move through the club. Now, that could be an interesting conversation depending on personalities at the club in terms of a senior arm and that sort of thing. Was there, was that well, like, was that well received? Uh, yeah, well, Damien Slattery, who had been president for a lot of years, uh, I spoke with him and we talked about it. He came back as president of seniors um, and we both had a common direction to go. So we just worked together. In terms of starting it, so where do you even start? So you've kind of got a couple of people, obviously, in your corner. Where do you go from there? That was a very good question because <laughs> we, um, about six weeks into it, went, what the are we doing? <laughs> we could go and hide again. Um, but the first part was to get people of like mind. Um, so Pete Byrne came on bold, told myself. Uh, Jackie Hughes. Danielle Barter and Sharon Kidd were the main part of the committee. And the big thing about, well, our junior club compared to the seniors was no one had an agenda. It was about trying to make the juniors best that we could possibly get. There was no, oh, what about the E grade or anything else that, and we've tried to continue that philosophy. It's not about the individual. It's not about a team, it's about the club um, and ensuring that we're all working in the same direction. So the people who came on were hard workers, dedicated, and people who, when they when we needed the job done, they did it. And again, that's been kept with the committee right through, that if you're on the committee, you're not there, I don't know what you're not there for, you're there to work. It's not about just turning up to the meeting and saying, oh, well, I've got out of the house for half an hour or an hour or two. It's about doing the job. Um, we started small at first. We, I can't remember exact numbers, but we might've had 10 teams um, with the goal of we would get 10% better every year in everything we do. And had the simple thing of it's about skill and fun. So, getting coaches on the same page um, that we want you to teach the children how to play cricket, but we want them to enjoy it. We then um, went up by, from each year, we've gone a um, couple of teams more. We brought girls cricket into the club, which was a two-year process that Pete and Toby followed learning about girls cricket. Um, and what a different and positive dimension that brought to the club. 
And then we did the same with disability cricket, two to three years of research. And we brought that into the club. So it doesn't just happen. It is hard work and it's good people not just saying, oh, well, I'll do this. They do it. It's about um, we set goals at the beginning of each year, what we want to get out of it um, and just work our way through it one step at a time. With those original people, um, were they, you, would you would you have targeted them? So were, like, were there conversations that were probably had so you kind of knew who was interested? How did you get the right people and know that they were the right people to bring on board? Yeah, you talk to different people. You, you know, it, it is the old thing, oh, well, someone wants to be on the committee, take them. Um, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> You want people who are going to make a difference to the club, but also work in a common direction. So, yeah, the first five or six people, we talked about what we wanted to get done, what they want to do. So it was, the original basis was Peter, Toby and myself. And then um, what we knew of people around, of how organised they were. Um, I actually worked with Danielle Barter. Um, so it was about trying to find people who fit the roles. That was very hard the first few years, but now like our treasurer is in finance. Um, our deputy, our deputy principal, our deputy um, vice or vice president, Serena Spadaro, um, is in HR. So it's getting jobs to meet people's needs as well, um, which is a luxury. But if you can't do that, if you're a club that's got four or five people, get the jobs to fit around what they're doing, what their abilities are. Don't try and do too much. And whatever you do, do well. So you might have one event a year, do it well. Don't try and do six and do them poorly. So it was a very logical thinking to make the brand look as good as it could be. Now, when you, you sit down for those first couple of meetings, because um, you said like you kind of start from pretty much scratch, um, the junior arm obviously was still there, but the, the committee wasn't. How do you determine what, like there's, there's so much that you could do. How did you determine what you were going to focus on and what really needed to be done in that first year? Uh, get players on the ground and get coaches. So it was about the basics of a cricket club. So Toby, who looked after the coaches, director of coaching. He made sure he got coaches up and running. Um, so we got registrations done, happening. Um, and, yeah, so it was really just getting players on the ground was the key for the first year. And then in terms of funding and budget and finances, um, talk us through how that worked because I know that there was a kind of link, obviously, with the seniors, but um, talk us through how you were able to kind of bring that to life, because obviously everything costs kind of time and money. Um, yep. And I know also that, you know, it's a club, you kind of want to provide that really good experience, especially for people who might not be able to afford certain things. So um, how did the club go about that? It's caused some since with the seniors, some of the seniors, but we split it down the middle. So the finances that had been when we were joint, we split that money in the middle. Um, and then with junior parents, the fees come in 
quickly. So that was our basis. And from that, then we decided, okay, well, we can get this gear, we can't. We just live within our means for that, which we still do. But um, it was about that side. We didn't really at the start put pressure on trying to go and hunt down grants and things like that. We did look at sponsorship, uh, but that was a small part of it. It was more just living within the means. So the first year or two or three, we're really just making sure we got teams on the park. Uh, they were all coached and as well coaches could be. Um, started to bring in managers into each team. So that side of the club looks good. Um, the meetings were always held at my house because uh, we don't have club rooms. I've only mentioned it once so far. Um, and obviously... <laughs> Got our awards, some of our awards in my own <laughs> house. Um, but we will get club rooms in a few years, we're hoping. So, um, but yeah, it was small steps. It really was. And just focusing on what is a cricket club, playing cricket. The reception, I understand. So when you took that on, it was it was really well received by the community. Was the, was the club doing anything in particular to kind of attract new people, like new parents and families? now that you'd kind of reignited the junior arm? Um, I suppose we did. It was just in our way of doing things, is going to games, going talking to people. Um, I know at one stage I couldn't get around because I had two knee replacements, but it was interesting people really do appreciate just going to the games, talking to people and listening to what their needs are. Um, and that, that led into the girls' cricket because we suddenly saw you no know, girls playing cricket. Um, and the community saying, well, why not? And we couldn't answer that. We thought, why not? So, yeah, it's about yeah, getting out there and being willing to listen. I also know that the club put a lot of emphasis in coming up with the Stingray way, so the values and mission and all that kind of thing of the club. Can you talk us through what might be included in that? Uh, well, Pete Byrne was the, the main driver of that, and that was just to give us, um, whoever's doing the club, the values that we believe the restarters, that this is what the club is about. Um, the actual club's been around since 1984. Um, so it's got a, a long history in this area because it's a, a new area. So, yeah, that, it was all values and just giving people direct, you know, if they look on site, they say, well, that's what these guys are promising they will do. How do you actually live by them on a day-to-day -day basis? Because I think, you know, a lot of anyone can kind of come up with some values and some, mm -hmm. you know, things to live by, but then they can sit on the shelf. So absolutely. And, you know, your, your members might not even know they exist. They don't necessarily live by them. How do you actually bring them to life? Um, it's the way we go, you know, the, the committee, how we handle our committee meetings. Uh, there is no one voice more than the other. They might say my voice is happening more often. Um, but, you know, everyone's got a job. They've got responsibilities in the club and they do them. It's about, as I said, listening to parents. I had a last week, yeah, last week, a couple of parents unhappy with 
an issue. Um, and I just sat with them about 20, 30 minutes and listened um, and then dealt with their concerns. But it's all, yeah, I think it's just the simple way, but it's the way you live your life. Um, you know, we want good citizens out of our cricketers. We want good people who will look at it and think, okay, we should help out where we can. Um, we were very insistent, I suppose I was, to parents to let them know it's not a babysitter's club, that your children are part of it. I was very lucky. My father was um, very supportive of my cricket and president of the club I was at, Mount Lawley. So it's getting people to step out of their comfort zone and say, come and join us. Come and join us. You'll have fun. And as Serena says, if she's not having fun, she's not doing it. The same, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. So it's this way I think, well, we should just be doing everything. You know, listen to others, assist where we can, um, and try to get better at what we're doing. I think um, committees and people in clubs can be quite nervous to be firm with the expectations of being in either on a committee or um, as a, as you said, being a parent and the volunteering side of things. And um, I think that's people are, can be nervous because they think people might walk away or they won't get that person on the committee. Do you think, is that something that you guys kind of started from the beginning? It's like it, you set the expectations and then it's everyone's on the same path so that then it's lived, it's lived that way because of the leadership of the, of the group. Um. Yeah, I would hope so. It's not. A, it's definitely not about one person. Uh, Pete Burns stepped down three years ago uh, from vice president, and he was a massive part of the club. And everyone went, uh-oh. And on that weekend, he told me he's going to go and think, where do we go next? Um, Serena stepped up. We re-looked at the way the vice president's position was because he's got his skill range was different to Serena's. So again, it was a matter of saying, okay, we have hiccups. How can we get about it? We've got a few people stepping down next year. Um, so we also, because that was one that caught us off guard. This one, well, these ones now we plan for looking for the people to fit those positions. It's not about waiting till the AGM. We've never had an AGM where we're waiting for hands up. We've already sneakily or whatever, the committee is picked. It would kill for that. So, <laughs> it's worked. It really has. Um, and it's about, again, preparation starting now. Second half of the season, we want anyone the committee tells us they're not going on with it. That's fine. We respect that. Okay, so we're looking for a new president. We're looking for a new treasurer. Um, so you would ask that around, and, like you'd ask that halfway through the season so that you're, you're well aware yeah. of what's going to happen? Yeah. Yep, so in January, we asked for that information. Um, I told him I was stepping down next year, um, pretty much at the beginning of the year. No one has stepped up yet, unfortunately. Um, but that was, it's a not about, again, the individual. It's about how do we leave what we're doing the best position and also the, for the club's sake that we're not, panicking and just taking anyone we do a bit of research we actually talk to the person this is the role can you do it do we have to make adjustments that's fine 
Um, we don't have to, they're not clones. Um, and new people will, and that's a good thing, bring in different um, viewpoints on how we could go forward. I think clubs can be very nervous about, and it's, it doesn't seem to be where people feel comfortable telling others that they're going to actually, this is their last year or anything like that, because I think people think they're going to get talked into staying or maybe it's just not a, I don't know, it's maybe, I don't think it's something that's necessarily talked about because we have that in our club. So when I was, I was standing down as senior coach and I said, I've got one more year and I'll help you find someone. Like it's actually, I think, a really positive thing because being a, like to recruit volunteers, it's a tw- it's a 12 month a year. It, you know, you need to know your people and talk to your people and know what's happening in the club. And the longer that you have to work towards something, you can work together rather than that. I'm going to drop and run because I'm terrified, but also clubs almost don't want you to tell them until the end. And then they, and I don't know what it is, but I think, having a club that's really positive around this is my role at the time. And you know what? I'll still be here next year, but I don't want that role. I'm more suited for this because of mm. I don't have enough time or I've got this amount of time now or my child's moving on. And I think having that really honest conversation is a really positive for a club. If you can have that, if you can bring about those conversations to life and make people feel like that they're part of something rather than they have to be there and that kind of, oh, I can't volunteer because it's it, they're going to take me for, you know, every hour of that I've got available. Um, and I think that's a really positive that your club does because I think, do you think it, it helps you in terms of that volunteer turnover, which is a big problem from a lot of clubs, having that extra, that extra time really is valuable, as you said, because then you're not coming up to an AGM, um, having three um, people move on. It's, it's crucial. Nothing worse than leaving a meeting going, oh, we haven't got a treasurer. We don't have a registrar. We've got to, oh, geez, who's going to do that? Whereas we walk into the meeting going, we've got these positions filled. The point on people thinking, oh, they're going to beg me to stay. Well, everyone likes to be told they've done a good job. Don't leave. We need you. And, you know, without you, we're going to fall in a hole. Um, one person spoke to me this week saying that they're probably going to step down. My thing is, I'm really sad that you're leaving because you've done a great job, but I respect your reasons for doing that. Um, and we move on. The club is no, not about one or two people. It scares me when clubs are because that person does their 15,000 years, whatever, the club collapses. And that's what we went through 10, 12 years ago. The whole committee left and we were floundering. So we also try and put, um, especially Toby, myself, Pete, Serena, is a bit of to the top executive that we don't all, none of us are going to go at the same time. Um, that's one of the reasons I said I'd go this year, uh, but that's changed thing. Not that I really want to, but cannot afford to have a club with all of their key players out within two years or one year because then people do panic. How do I, who do I talk to? What do we do to put? Um, so we try and have a succession plan in place. We have a plan, I think we're up to the next five years again um, with a strategic plan. Um, and it's about disrespect. You know, if someone can give us one year, great. Uh, we had someone step into the committee last well, last last meeting 
um, take on a role. The other thing is the more you can get people doing, the smaller the role they do, the more effective they can be without going through and having, say, five people trying to do 20, 30 different roles. So if you can build up and just say to someone, come onto the committee and look after talking to the shy about grounds. Um, just do that role. That's maybe a phone call a week. Um, and hopefully then they feel comfortable and it grows from there. How do you, so when you're having these conversations um, in that type of one, so I, obviously they, they have an ongoingly, but what is your, it sounds like you don't just say, please come and we need volunteers. Um, how do you actually kind of talk to someone so that it's a meaningful experience for why they're joining your committee and why they're helping out? How do you actually kind of go about that recruitment of someone um, to really kind of invest themselves in the committee or the club? Uh, well, Toby's not a vice president, but we basically got two vice presidents. Toby looks after the on-field and he's got uh, people under him who look after that. Serena at this stage looks after the volunteers in the off-field. So she will see a position needs to be open and she subtly targets it to get someone. And, you know, we're not about going, oh, you're fantastic. How marvellous you are. Please come. No, we, it's about their skill level matches our needs. Or they, and again, it comes down to listening. They might say, look, yeah, I'd happily come on as registrar, but I'm going to need assistance. And so we build that into who's going to help out and all that side. So it's never, thanks for coming, we'll see you next year. So it's about, I suppose, getting around knowing who's in your club um, and also sometimes just saying, you know, what's, we, I think we actually have it in our, Richard, what are your skills? Are you in finance? Um, are you in HR or things along that line? I think the value of like Serena, she's a um, very lovely person, but also. Oh, she's quiet. You wouldn't even know she's a <laughs> But also she's from a non-cricketing background. So I know oh. speaking to her, she is very good. And I think a great tip for anyone listening at home is mm. she, you know, because I think cricket can be daunting for someone who doesn't, um, who's not from, who doesn't grown up playing cricket and because it's obviously a very, you know, skillful kind of game on the field. And so people think you need to know cricket to volunteer, but you actually don't. Um, and she's very good at being able to talk because she's was recruited on obviously and she's now taking up all the role like she's taking on all these roles and she's kind of progressed through mm -hmm. a whole different range of things. She's so good at talking about no, you don't need to. This is actually a, you know, a registrar doesn't need to know about this, but everything we do, you do need to know we can teach you because you've got the skills. And I think that's a really important point is that, especially if you've got someone like that in your club, use them to be able to help talk to those parents who might be a little bit iffy because they're a bit nervous about the fact that they don't really know cricket. Yeah. And, you know, Serena, when she came on, one first thing she said to, to us, why are you guys writing LBW? down what does it mean and we thought oh god help us um but with what she has with many things brought in but she suddenly got us thinking yeah, we're talking cricket speak we keep going on lbw wides um, all that side of things and parent people go no idea what you're talking about so it brought us to a level of talking so of what we hope everyone can understand our committee is i think we've got 18 currently and it's probably 50-50 male and female. Uh, not all the males are ex-cricketers. It's probably now we've got less cricketers on there than non-cricketers. 
um, which again brings that whole different dimension. And it allows that people say, well, yeah, I don't, I don't have to be a cricket expert to do uniforms. You know, uh, um, it's, yeah, it, it was a very big eye-opener for reviewers with Serena coming on. Um, but what the qualities she has, she knows nothing about cricket. You know, South Africa training out in the whack and she doesn't even know they're there. Um, but her organisation, her commitment is massive to bring our club through. Um, so, yeah, it's saying to anybody, anyone can do it. Um, we've got clubs over uh, Ascot who's a lady president. She knows nothing about cricket, but she, she's making that club grow. Um, she probably knows a little bit more now, but, yeah, to anyone, don't be scared because it's called a cricket club. It's a club of people together with one, hopefully, common goal. It could be anything. And I think that's why it's really valuable that these conversations aren't just had as a one-off asking someone to volunteer. It, it is that it is getting mm. to know your people and, and making them feel comfortable that they would be supported and that they're, you know, whatever skill set they have is really valuable, that, that the non-cricket part actually doesn't matter. And I think that's really important where an ongoing conversation where you actually get to know that person throughout the you know, season, a couple of seasons, whenever it is, is, is really valuable in getting those type of people involved because then they feel really safe that they're not going to be dropped in the deep end and have no idea what they're doing, which is not what people want when they volunteer either. And from a president and from a club, if someone comes and says, oh, look, I'm doing this and no one's helping me, we've failed. No, it's our responsibility to make sure they get the training, the necessary help they need. If we don't give that, we have failed them and that's not good. Um, you know, you also want people on the committee to get on. So it is fun at committee meetings. Um, fun committee meeting? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, uh, we have fun. We have sometimes too much fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, you've got to look forward to being there, not, oh, here we go, I've got to go to this meeting tonight. He's just got the wrong attitude. Yeah, you also you also hold them. Um, my understanding is you hold them at um, cafes, restaurants, so that there actually is an end date, an end time that you all need to because uh, it closes. So you need to get out of there. Keeps you on track. Yes, very much, and it's getting shorter time. I think we're down to just over an hour. So. Um, how do you keep your agendas to one hour? I've been to a lot of committee meetings in my time and I don't know if any of them have been an hour. Uh, they pretty much tell me to shut up. Um, that saves a lot of time. Um, and it's, I thought we, we, we try to um, prioritise what really needs to be spoken about, what can we just talk about outside if we need to, or just during the week um, and if there's big decisions to be made let people know they're going to happen not just rock up and say oh we've got this huge decision to make that we're going to have girls cricket and people go well what are you talking about um, so yeah I think sometimes in meetings we we don't prepare people for the meeting you know there should always be an agenda out before there should always be discussion. Um, 
if I, you know, I see the agenda, why is that on the agenda as president? Do we need to do that? Or can that just be a conversation we have? Um, and I'm more than happy because I trust people that they come and say, oh, I've made this decision of its sponsorship. Um, I've made this pack up, I've done that. You know, they will have the discussion with Serena or myself prior to that, but it just comes there and people go, oh, that looks beautiful, fantastic, let's do it. So it's more a tick things off than round the table, constant discussion. Now, do you have a pretty, so you have, do you have a pretty formal type of meeting? You run like a pretty, uh, like once you've got, so you've got, you've, you've got your, obviously your set agenda, the reports go out, all that kind of stuff. You you run it like a pretty formal type of yes. meeting. Yeah. Yep. And, so it's, it's just, sorry, no, it's a go. set with the agenda. Um, I start Serena and it, everyone knows the process. Some people have said, oh, can we mix it up a bit? Um, well, we can. And we do occasion because I get it out of order, but um it's pretty much set there because it, it's the bigger issues first, and that's not trying, especially with sponsorship and things like trying to say to people, oh, that's not important. That's massive. If you don't have money, you don't have a club. Um, but yeah, it is a set routine through, and we we laugh, we carry on, but we stay as focused as possible because people don't want to be there till ten o'clock at night. Now, with your new volunteers, like we spoke about when, especially ones who might not have volunteered in cricket before, how does the club go about, and you mentioned that, you know, you don't want to leave them not feeling supported or feel like they're lost. How do you go about actually supporting them in a tangible kind of way, especially when people are new to certain roles? Um, well, one thing we really want them to do is ask questions and feel very comfortable to ring up and say, I don't know what's going on here. Good, let's go through it. Um, contacting them regularly, not just wait till it's a, a committee meeting. My job, whoever's ring them up, say, how are you going with this? Um, and also then if need be, link them up with another club registrar and say, look, this is what's done. But also um, in most cases, the people who have stepped down, they do a handover with that person and I'm thinking every single one of them made themselves available for the first month or so to be there also oh yeah I did this way um, and worked through so it's feeling very free to contact whoever they need to um, it's getting them in links to other club if they want to and also that the handover there is a handover that it's not just here's your package and walk away um, on the from that side uh, and the other one is that we have a, a OneDrive set up where all documents are in there um, so and in the LinkedIn vice president president so whoever goes it's not about the old we used to hand the a file over that big and the person would go right if you got a file uh, more, <laughs> if you've got a file yes yeah. uh, that was part of the problem when the genius did collapse, there was no information left. The filing cabinet was meant to have it all, well, it disappeared. Um, so Pete and Serena had set up the OneDrive uh, and then everyone just puts it in there. 
They don't let me go near it because they reckon I'll wreck it. No faith in me, these guys. <laughs> um, no. But I understand why too. Um, so, but there's the OneDrive is set up. So whatever role you've got, you've also got the opportunity to run through and say, okay, these are the, over the year, these are the things I will need to look at. I don't have to worry about, um, do you want to think, pink stumps. That's in February, March. I don't have to worry about that event. I worry about what I need to do in that month. And the other thing we do do at every meeting is review the month of events coming up. So there's no shock. Well, it is a shock sometimes like how quick it goes, but it's more online. We know where to get this sorted out. So yeah, that's pretty much how we try as a process. And that's the other thing. We don't so much deal, we try not just deal with the occasion or the person, it's the process in place. This is the way we run things or the way the club works through things. There's a process that so doesn't matter if little Jackie Corner comes on president, this is the process you follow. Um, people will change because we're all different, but at first you're not just going, how do I do this? This is what's in place. Um, and my responsibility when I step down to prison to make myself available to that person when they need me, that's pretty much an expectation. So what were, especially back to that first kind of 12 months from the, the taking back of the junior committee, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? Um, knowing what we were doing. It was like, what the heck? Um, there definitely wasn't the support mechanism in from the WACA that there is now. You know, that there's a lot of discussions we had with them about, I suppose, because trade myself were pretty much known around with cricket. Um, it was easy for us to contact people and go, well, you haven't done this, as in the whacker or higher up to get support. Um, but it was really, I, I, it's a long time ago now, thank goodness. But it's a week by week thing. And say, so, thank God we've got the teams on the field. We've got a coach there. We've got the grounds organised. And during that time, also building relationships up, relationships up with the Shire um, and with the whacker and going along that way. So it was, yeah, the first year, the success was that we got teams on the ground, we got through it. There was things at the end we didn't, you know, we, communication was not good enough, um, that things that happened during the year that we didn't know about. So that was all, has always been a focus, improving the communication. So, yeah, I suppose it's looking at what you didn't get right, but celebrating the successes, you know. Um, if someone else can do it better, we'll get them on the committee. What was, I'm going to ask what you're most proud of, and I'm sure there's a lot, um, <laughs> even like I know of some little and the stuff that you've actually, you know, you guys live it, but what were some unexpected positives that you didn't expect? So what are some, you know, things that happened that you weren't planning for, didn't expect, but just found along the way? Um, the awards. Yeah, that been great. But our first uh, girls' derby, uh, our older girls had played for six months prior and they played the Pink Stumps Derby. And um, one of our older girls 
in the first over bowled one of the younger girls in the other team. The younger girl walked straight down towards her. And I thought, oh, no, what's going to happen? Got to her and she high-fived her and was so chuffed to just be out there afterwards because it was a fair-sized crowd. Oh, we like we were playing at the Wacker. It was just so exciting. They're the things, the unexpected, as you said, that, you know, the time and effort to get it together. Children do love. Um, last year we had our Pink Stumps, well, it seems to be coming back to Pink Stumps, but Pink Stumps um, event in the evening, and the boys were miffed. They're going, why aren't we involved in any of this? So we went, okay, you're involved. And we had um, everybody in the club, families came down and made teams up. Um, we had 60-year-old granddads playing with their grandchildren at six, um, and it was just the most wonderful wonderful feeling in the club people just turning up we didn't really know how many would come and i think we probably had i don't know exaggeration 150 on the ground right through playing um, the boys were happy that they could come along and play and be part of it um, and that the just the whole feel you know the family part of the club was just wonderful and then a week down later we we're in lockdown but um, so we just got it in, but and we did it again this year. Again, families just turn up and be part of. You want it to be part of the club and the celebration when we do. Fortunate to win awards, the pride that everyone gets out of it, that they're all, you know, because it's because of the club and the volunteers and everyone involved that we have been so lucky. And we must mention the award that you talk with. You've won, you've won a few awards, but one of them is the National Community Cricket Award for Club of the Year. Um, well, you mean, was, that, you mean that yeah. one back there? Oh. <laughs> yeah. A couple of years ago. Um, you won a few awards that year, actually. Um, I think you took home three um, for also Junior Program and Toby won the Junior Coordinator of the Year on the same, on the same year. It was pretty um, amazing for the club. Um, that night, and I know you've won plenty of others, obviously, back in WA. But those aside, um, what are you most proud of? The club. I'm proud the way the club has matured, moved forward. Uh, I am proud of all those who do step up and say, I'm coming to help. Now, we are fortunate people actually say, can I come on the committee? Now, that's just... We're lucky, I understand that. I'm super proud of people like Toby, who, when I asked him to be president of the senior, uh, sorry, be coach of the seniors, um, he'd barely say two words. Um, now, the stuff he's doing with disability cricket in, a, in WA, Pete Byrne and girls cricket, he's coaching further on as well. Yeah, I'm proud of the people. I'm just, um, they just want to help, want to get involved. And I'm proud of the programs we've put in place that has allowed, at this stage, everyone who wants to play cricket in this area, they've got the opportunity. 
Well, that is a perfect note to finish on. So, Daniel, thank you once again um, for joining me. And I know that if anyone was to seek help and reach out and want to chat, that you, someone at your club is always more than willing to, to, to help out. Um, appreciate you taking the time and hopefully uh, our listeners at home got a few bits of gold out of it and can take it away and um, bring it to life in their club. So thank you once again for joining me. And Talia, if anyone wants to go to our website, take things off there, go for it. They're free documents. There's nothing locked down. Um, I'd like to thank you for all the work you're doing with the Game Changers and allowing the clubs to have the opportunity to, to share because there's a lot of fantastic clubs all over the country um, and we're, we're all one thing, children playing cricket. 